Welcome to the Brodies Employment and Immigration podcast, brought to you in association with Workbox by Brodies, our award-winning online HR and employment law resource. I'm Katie Spearman, a practice development lawyer in Brodies Employment and Immigration team, and on today's episode, I'm joined remotely by employment law partner Lynn Ma. Welcome, Lynn. Hi, Katie. So as the coronavirus lockdown continues, many of us who are still working continue to do so remotely from home particularly in Scotland, where the public health message is still stay at home. So on today's episode, we are discussing the impact that home working can have on employees' mental health and well-being. We will offer our top tips for you to consider in relation to employee well-being and reducing potential mental ill health risks associated with home working. Yes, and, and this is without doubt a really important topic at the moment. The last nine weeks have seen so many changes that workplaces have had to adjust to large number of employees have had to get used to remote working, a different routine, as well as juggling caring responsibilities with work commitments. So it's fair to say there's been a lot going on. Indeed, employees will also be worried about job security, the risks of catching the virus and its health implications, as well as becoming isolated from family and friends. And all of this is going to be affecting their mental well-being. Exactly. And we know that the focus on employee mental well-being has been growing in recent years, with research suggesting that one in four of us will experience mental ill health at some point in our lives. It's something that employers should take seriously. It has a huge impact financially for them in terms of sickness absence and sick pay, higher staff turnover and productivity. The cost of poor mental health in the workplace was recently calculated to be somewhere in the region of £45 billion a year. And in addition to the costs, employers are also under a legal obligation to assess uh, work-related mental health issues, as well as risks to physical health under health and safety law. They must measure the levels of risk to staff, and wherever a risk is identified, steps must be taken to remove it or reduce it as far as reasonably practicable. Breach of those obligations could give rise to criminal sanctions and civil damages. This is an area our health and safety colleagues advise on, and, and which will be the subject of a separate podcast. But there are, of course, of course um, employment law and equality implications of not properly assessing and addressing risks to mental health. Yes, and I think it's worth mentioning that these are not new issues for employers. They existed pre-coronavirus, but given the current climate, they've been brought into a sharper focus. Perhaps, Lynn, you could explain why this is the case. Yes, well, following the coronavirus lockdown and self-isolation, there will be new considerations for employers, particularly for those who are new to remote working in relation to maintaining employee engagement, but also longer term with the after effects of self-isolation, particularly on mental health. Employees working from home are likely to be experiencing isolation from colleagues and feeling a lack of connection. They may also be having difficulties in separating work from their private life and working longer hours as a result. Also, being out of routine may mean that they may not be eating or sleeping well, and they may have been prevented from enjoying their usual hobbies or exercising. They might be overwhelmed by competing responsibilities and things which are just outside their control, like the news. It's also worth highlighting that in a normal work environment, it's always been more difficult for employers to identify and address mental um, ill health issues compared to physical impairments. And there are many reasons for that, including, for example, the fact that there are no obvious physical symptoms of mental ill health and symptoms can manifest themselves inconsistently. Employees can also have a lack of awareness or acceptance of their condition. But when employees are physically presenting themselves in the workplace, it tends to be much easier for managers to look out for the telltale signs of poor mental health. 
For example, employees becoming withdrawn, changes to appearance, absences from the workplace, behavioural issues, that kind of thing. But some of these things much, might be much less easy to spot when employees are working from home. Employers need to be aware of this and be proactive in their approach to employee engagement and staying connected with their staff. Yes, yeah, so there's definitely a lot of new considerations for employers. You touched upon isolation from colleagues and a lack of connection, which leads on to our first top tip, which is for employers to stay connected with employees and also encourage colleagues to keep in touch with each other. This should hopefully create an effective support network, but also a means of spotting any issues early on. Yes, and this is key, particularly as many employees will not have worked from home for a prolonged period before. So it is important for managers to stay connected with their teams so that employees still feel supported and able to raise any concerns that they have. It will also help managers to spot the signs of poor mental health early on and take steps where necessary to address the issue. Encouraging employees to keep in touch with each other is also really important as that can create a a network of support to limit feelings of isolation and help them to feel more able to carry out out their roles effectively in what will be a very different environment for them. There are lots of ways to keep in touch um, and many employers have already been using those. So, for example, you could arrange weekly departmental meetings, one-to-one catch-ups, as well as just after-work virtual activities to keep up morale. For example, quiz nights, book clubs, that kind of thing. You should try to encourage the use of video calling platforms to enable face-to-face interaction between colleagues who would normally see each other at the office to help combat feelings of isolation and loneliness. Although different people do react differently to these tools and appearing on video can cause feelings of anxiety for some, so do be mindful of that. I would also mention that whilst we're talking about communication, employers should try to regularly communicate with employees about the current situation and developments which might be affecting their business. When doing so, it's important to make sure that senior management are all on the same page and sending the same message about your approach to the crisis so that employees have clarity and and be mindful and sensitive when you are communicating those sorts of important updates to staff. Definitely. And I think there's a lot that can be said for managers just checking in with staff to see how they are and how they're finding home working during what will be a difficult time for them and letting them know that you're willing to help and resolve any problems if you can. So this leads on to our second top tip, signposting where employees can find additional advice and support. Yeah, so employers should make sure that all employees are reminded of the support services which they can access, such as employee assistance programmes, details of trained mental health first aiders if you have them, or any helpful information you might have added to your internet, such as um, workstation health and safety tips to make sure they don't get sore backs and necks and move around enough, or even other things just like um, online classes, like yoga classes. You might also be able to offer flexible working options, unpaid leave, reduced hours, or other things which might help to alleviate the stress or difficulties that particular employees are facing, for example, those with caring responsibilities. If that's possible, you should make sure that employees know that there are possibilities which can be explored, and employees just They might not feel able to um, contact you to ask about altering their working patterns or they might fear a negative response. So making sure that they're aware that those possibilities exist can only be a good thing. Yes, and I think, like you say, making sure employees are aware of the support that's available and letting them know that any issues you raise will be taken seriously and managed sympathetically. And, And that will help to ensure that they feel more able to come and discuss the concerns that they have especially as we know that often employees don't feel comfortable discussing their mental health with their employer. Yeah, and and ensuring your managers are able to have open conversations about mental health, I think, is really important. 
It's also important for employers to actively identify and consider any work-related causes of mental ill health and how these should be dealt with, particularly those that may be exacerbated by homeworking. So I think that would be my next top tip. Although your usual health and safety risk assessments or mental health plans might not be as easy to do or update remotely, you should still be able to consider work-related stress and mental health risks associated with homeworking. Where risks are identified, you should take steps to remove or reduce them so far as you reasonably possibly can. Um, and that could include ensuring that you are regularly monitoring workloads and patterns. During periods of remote working, it just won't be as easy to identify capacity levels. So it's important to have a process in place to remotely monitor workloads on a regular basis to ensure employees are not overburdened. Often excessive workloads can lead to increased risks of burnout, stress and anxiety, particularly if adequate support is not provided. You could also consider carrying out training with your management teams on the importance of employee well-being and how to deal with mental health issues which may arise, including their legal obligations to make reasonable adjustments. All those things can be done remotely via video calling platforms or via a, a webinar. Yes, I think thinking creatively about how training could be provided remotely is important at the moment. And if you are providing helpful resources such as online classes to help employees stay active and improve their well-being, making sure everyone knows how to take part in that is key. Lynn, you also mentioned the legal obligations of employers, such as the duty to make reasonable adjustments for those suffering with mental ill health. Can you explain a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, a range of mental impairments from low mood anxiety and depression right through to conditions such as bipolar disorder or schizophrenia can constitute a disability under the Equality Act 2010. If an employee suffering from mental ill health is disabled, then your key obligations would be not to treat them less favourably than non-disabled employees because of their disability or unfavourably for reasons arising from their disability and also to make reasonable adjustments for them. For employees uh, who you know are disabled, you may need to review adjustments required whilst they're homeworking to ensure that their mental wellbeing is not adversely affected by the recent changes to their working environment. But you do also have a duty of care to all employees, disabled or not, to ensure that they have a safe working environment and to protect their health and safety as far as reasonably practicable. That's an implied term of the employment contract and any serious or persistent failure to comply with that obligation could result in employees resigning and claiming constructive dismissal, separately from any action which could be taken by the health and safety executive. Breach of the duty could also result in personal injury claims. Now, there's a lot to think about and it's definitely a complex area particularly as not everyone will be affected in the same way by mental illness. So, for example, one employee with anxiety might be disabled, whereas another may not be. And also adjustments that work and are appropriate for one employee with depression will not necessarily be the same adjustments needed for another with a seemingly similar condition. Yes, and, and legally speaking, to be disabled under the Equality Act, an individual must have a physical or mental impairment. In terms of what constitutes a mental impairment, there's no requirement for a clinically diagnosed um, condition. There must just be an impairment of function, the effects of which are long term and which have a substantial adverse effect on the employee's ability to carry out normal day to day activities. It's also relevant to consider the likelihood of recurrence of the effects of the condition. The nature of mental illness means that it can be particularly difficult for an employer to know whether an employee has a disability and employees often try very hard to conceal their symptoms from their employer. 
However, if, um, for example, an employee's symptoms, absence levels or changed behaviour give you reason to suspect that they may be having mental health issues, you should take reasonable steps to find out whether they are suffering from mental health and, and whether they are in fact disabled. So if an employee has let you know that they're experiencing mental ill health issues, can you offer any advice on how best to deal with that, given that everyone is working remotely at the moment? Yeah, I mean, the approach to take will very much depend on the individual circumstances and the severity of the mental health issues the employee has. However, it's important not to wait until things return to normal or when you're back in the office. I think I would probably suggest the following key steps. So if you have a dedicated mental ill health policy, then do consider any procedure that you've got detailed in the policy and how that might be implemented remotely. Um, secondly, you we probably want to sh um, schedule a call or a video meeting with the employee if you've not already done that, just to try and gather some more information from them and understand more about their situation, in particular any difficulties which are work-related, the impact the condition is having on their work and how you might be able to help. I think it's important for, in these calls to be approachable and non-judgmental. Um, scheduling regular one-to-one -one catch-ups after an initial meeting to check how the employee is getting on would also be a good idea if they're still at work because that could help to identify any upcoming challenges and any other support that they might be needing from you. Also, check if the employee's been in touch with their GP. And if so, ask them about any recommendations the GP has made, particularly about their fitness to work. And if they haven't contacted their GP, ask them if that's an option. But of course, I think probably at this time, we all have to be mindful of the additional pressures on NHS services and things like increased waiting times and reduced services. It might be an appropriate point to actually involve your own occupational health providers because they can often provide support and it might be possible for them to carry out an assessment via a video call with the employee. And lastly, um, you should consider any adjustments or measures that you can put in place which may be able to assist them. It's really important, particularly with mental health, to think beyond the standard rehabilitation adjustments like part-time hours or phased return to work for people that have been off sick. Many adjustments, particularly for mental ill health conditions, don't actually cost that much money, but they can make a huge difference to the employee. Flexibility, for example, is often the adjustment for which there's the biggest payback. Um, I think lastly, I would say that it's really important to remember that adjust adjustments to help with mental ill health conditions may have to change over time, particularly if and when employees return to the office, because Mental health conditions, just they don't have a stable pattern. They evolve over time. And so the adjustments that you need to put in place to support people with those kind of conditions will also change over time. Thanks, Lynn. So lastly, just to, to recap on our top tips, employers should keep in contact with employees and encourage them to stay in touch with each other and to ensure an effective support network and also to assist with early identification of issues. Try signposting additional advice and support services so employees know that the help's there if they need it. Identify and consider any work-related causes of mental ill health, particularly those which may be exacerbated by homeworking. And also remember your health and safety responsibilities for homeworkers, such as carrying out risk assessments. Consider your duty to make reasonable adjustments for those who have a disability and acknowledge that these adjustments may need to be reviewed if the employee is home working or there's been a change in their condition. And lastly, remember the importance of not waiting until everyone's back in the office before addressing a concern an employee has raised in relation to their mental health. So that brings us to the end of our podcast. 
Thanks very much to Lynn for sharing some really useful tips and guidance, and thank you for listening. Our dedicated Workbox Coronavirus FAQ pages are currently available to everyone via the Brodies COVID-19 hub on our website, www.brodies.com. Workbox by Brodies users can also access FAQs and resources in relation to employee well-being and mental health on our dedicated mental health page. To find out more about Workbox or to sign up for a free trial, click the link below. And finally, to hear more about our upcoming podcasts and other Brodies events, head over to the Brodies website.